Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our YouTube audience as well. Uh, we are excited today because this is the final week of our seven-week series uh, on the principles of dynamic family. Now, now we're not excited because it's the, the final week, but we're excited to kind of wrap everything up and bring it all um, together this morning. You okay? All right. So, so we've been examining these six principles of healthy relationships that are given to us in the New Testament through the one another passages. And in order to really bring this all together for us today, I want to go back and just get us all back up to speed on everything we've talked about uh, from this point or from, uh, from the beginning to this point. So we began by talking about our identity and about how our identity and who we are is based in the Godhead. And so the Trinity is this, uh, God is three beings, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three beings have a perfect relationship of love and unity with each other. And then so us, we, being created in their likeness, are designed to also share that kind of relationship and unity with one another, but because sin entered the picture throughout our human history, we no longer as human beings have the capacity to experience that perfect uh, love and unity that uh, the Godhead possessed and intended for us to have. Um, and so in our identity then, uh, we relate in a unique way to each one of these different aspects of the Godhead. So it's, our identity is based on how God sees us and the truth that he sees us as Christians uh, as being perfect and holy and righteous and blameless. Um, in, in the Son, God the Son, you know, Jesus came to the earth and uh, he taught us and he gave us his commandments to... One, love God, and two, uh, love one another. Uh, and then finally, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, indwells within us or indwells us to empower us and to counsel us and to inspire us to really uh, and enable us to live out these six principles uh, in, in the way that we're designed to. And so then we walk through uh, this series and we started out with serving one another. And so serving one another really means choosing to place the needs of other people above our own. And then we talked about encouraging one another. So how we use words of encouragement uh, to, uh, to, to, or words of kindness rather, to build each other up and to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then we talked about admonishing one another, how God uses uh, others to speak truth to us about areas of our character that he wants to grow and to mature so that we can become more and more Christ-like as we live through our, you know, as we, as we, uh, as we live our lives. Talked about confessing to one another, bringing sin into the light so that it no longer has power of us. We get it out of the darkness and we're no longer enslaved by our sin when we confess and we bring it out into the light with one another. And then, finally, forgiveness last week. We had a good discussion about that. And how do we truly forgive each other from the heart? Uh, not just in words, but 
forgive one another from the heart in a way then that enables us to move towards one another in love. So, and guys, if it's not too late, if we could get the, the, uh, the slide, the projector on the back wall, that'd be great. Um, and so this week, then, finally, thank you, we're going to talk about acceptance. And so what does it look like to, ex- to truly accept one another? What does this mean, and why is it important? So to accept one another means to receive or actually to enthusiastically welcome. So it's the idea of you know, when, you, when you walk into the house of a good friend, you know, and it's that energy that you get when you're greeted or, you know, going home to see your parents for the holidays or when your kid comes home from college, you know, there's that, there's that energy around receiving, being received um, that goes beyond just acknowledging somebody or, or tolerating somebody. And so um, Paul wrote in Romans, he said, therefore accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that God will be given the glory. So why does acceptance matter? Uh, Number one, as it says in the passage, we're called to accept one another within the Christian community. And number two, it's because when we accept one another in a way that looks different from the world, then God is glorified. And so it's hard, though, right? I mean, we're messy. Humans are, are diff, can be difficult. And so let's talk a little bit about what makes it so hard to accept one another the way we should. Well, so some of the differences are personality. So we've got personalities that are introverts and mm-hmm. extroverts. We have low-energy people and high-energy people. We have high-functioning people, low-functioning right. people. Those are some differences that can really be difficult. Then we have some people who are very adventurous, you know, risk takers. And then we have other people that are very fearful. And safe. And safe. Yeah. So this is this is one of the dynamics in in our marriage. So I'm the adventurous one. And um, I've you know, we've been fortunate to get to travel a lot over the years. And so with all of the trips that we've taken. I always like to try to schedule some kind of adventure that we can go on, whether it's, you know, four-wheeling or mountain biking or whatever. And Krista, however, is is a more, um, she values safety and um, good health and, and not getting injured and so forth. And so I think where we can get into trouble is when we don't respect one another's differences, right? And so the way that it always plays out is that, I want to do an adventure. Um, Krista wants to sit in the hotel and drink coffee till about ten or eleven, and then you know, and then sit on the balcony and drink coffee for another hour. And um, and I'm up, you know, early in the morning. I'm ready to go. Like, and so um, uh, so we've had this pattern of me dragging her along with these adventures, and then inevitably. When I do that, and she finally, you know, Chris, you're kind of a pleaser, so you want to make me happy and be a good, you know, a good wife. And so she goes along eventually, and then inevitably something disastrous happens, right? And so there was the time um, where we were body surfing with these big waves, and this rogue wave came along and slammed Krista into the sand, and she ended up having to get back surgery. 
Um, there was a time we rented a Jeep and we almost rolled off the side of a mountain into the ocean. Um, there was a time we were gonna bike across the island of Aruba and we almost died of heat stroke. <laughs> and this woman, showed, we're laying by the side of the road, we didn't have an ounce of sweat left in our bodies. And this woman comes out of nowhere, I swear she was an angel, and gives us a quart of guava juice. And so somehow we survived and made it back. But the funniest one, and probably the most recent, <laughs> was married to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have, I mean, we always have a story, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So this is the trailhead uh, at the top of the Haleakala Crater in Maui. And so we were, uh, we, were, we were making a trip out there, and I decided that we should mountain bike off the back of the crater uh, from the very top of the island all the way down to the bottom. And so to me, this sounds like, of all the things you want to do in Maui, this is the best, you know. And so you were like, absolutely not. And I was like, come on. And I wanted to go with me because it's kind of an all-day adventure and you don't want to spend a whole day apart, you know. And so over the course of about two weeks, she finally relented again. And Please so, her. Yeah. She's, and so... Um, we go, and so here's the top of the, uh, the trail. This is what I had in mind, and it's sunny and warm and everything. And, we, you know, we go and we rent our bikes. And in the valley, it's 75, 80 degrees. It's gorgeous and beautiful. By the time we got to the top of the crater, it looked like this. <laughs> so, and, and we were... 40 in, degrees or less. 40 degrees with 40-mile-an-hour winds. And uh, it was so cold, we were literally... And, and you see the clouds blowing through there. I mean, it, we were, you're instantly wet, you know, with 40 mile an hour wind. So it was a disaster. And, and, um, but and I see Maryton still. Yes. <laughs> but you were a very good sport. So anyway, so that's just kind of a story of, you know, what happens when we don't, um, we don't respect one another's personality differences and kind of let you be you and me be me. I know you need another friend, I think. <laughs> um, <yeah laughs> but like you said, we always have a story. Right. And we're still alive, <laughs> hard to believe. But um, yes, okay, so it is important to accept and respect other people's personality differences. It's mm -hmm. very important. Or, you know, somebody could end up getting injured or harmed or whatever, uh, physically, but also emotionally. And so... I think it's just important that we have to remember these are God-given personalities. We're going to be different. There are people that are just different from us, and I think it is hard to take that in sometimes. And if I'm lucky enough to have a parent that embraced my differences, you know, I grew up to be a very confident, very secure person, not only with you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I have a secure connection with God. I have a secure connection with my friends at school. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm, I'm secure within myself because I have been accepted, you know, for who I am. And it's interesting because when I was growing up, um, I had a great dad. So I, I just want to put that out there. I had a great dad. But he was convinced that I was going to he was convinced I was going to be a salesperson because he was a regional salesperson for DuPont and he was extremely successful. And he kind of groomed me for being an extroverted salesperson. And I wasn't. And 
everybody knew I was. I mean, my school counselor said I was meant to be a social worker. I mean, I just was always drawn to like helping people and I, my dad would say I would bring home not stray dogs, but stray people. So it was always kind of in my heart. But because he could not accept that, he just was always grooming me to be in sales. And so I went in sales and I was in sales for years. That's how John and I actually ended up meeting. Um, but it took me, you know, I didn't end up going to school to be a counselor until I was in my 40s. So I can imagine how life might have taken a different um, path had, you know, I've been groomed for who I was. But the interesting thing is, is we turned around and did the same thing to our oldest son, who was just so different than we were. John and I are very high-functioning people. He was a very low-functioning person. Um, we loved sports. We loved, you know, being out and athletic. And he loved sitting in his room and playing Legos and connects for hours on end. And, you know, I'd give millions of dollars if I could go back in time knowing what I know today to go back and raise him. Uh, because we, we were always in his room saying, what's wrong? Why don't you want to come out and play? You know, I think we tried him out in every sport possible. And for kids, yeah, it was disastrous. <laughs> He was the kid in the outfield, you know, throwing his glove in the air. No, it was just, it was hysterical. But as parents, I think we had in our mind this idea of what he should be like because it's because of what, what we, we were, were like, like, right? And so, yeah, I just think it's really critical to accept and respect others' differences. And Greg McCall, who's part of our church here, is going to share really a very personal story of how um, his family dealt with some personality when I was about 10 or 12, we uh, had a foster student or student foster child come with us, uh, Art, Arthur. And uh, after a year, we decided to adopt Arthur, and uh, he uh, became a part of our family as well. Uh, he uh, was about five years younger than I was, so it was a little hard to. Uh, we were always a little different phase of life uh, as we went through school. Um, um, so we, we got along, we played together, and, and, and accepted him uh, uh, like you would have uh, your, your own brother for the most part. But because of uh, he had a very tragic first four years of his life and um, had a lot of issues dealing with that. And, and so he just didn't respond to our family's uh, uh, love and the way we did things like we wanted to and, and became a little bit rebellious and, and, and uh, did things that, we just didn't understand, and uh, so it made a, always a challenge, and I always wrestled with that in my heart. Uh, you know, what is true acceptance look like? Uh, uh, and and uh, but through life, he struggled. Uh, at some points, he got kind of got things together and held a job, and and uh, had a place to live, and and um, got married at one point, and and had a couple children, but through different people. Is always a challenge with Art because he didn't make himself available to the family uh, the last 10, 15 years as much as we'd like. We invited him to family events and things, and he'd come to some, but not much. But uh, we did have a good one time when we uh, got together with him. We had a good conversation about uh, uh, what he believed about Jesus and where his heart was. And I think he understood some of the, uh, understood about uh, ha having a uh, relationship with Jesus. Um, but where he, whether he really accept that, accepted that or dealt with that in his heart, we don't know. Um, but unfortunately, um, a year and a half ago, he 
consistently uh, more isolated himself than ever and uh, didn't have a job, didn't have a uh, house to stay at or, and was uh, just living in with uh, friends and uh, he, he eventually took his life and, and it was very shocking to the whole family because we didn't uh, have any hint that he uh, had been thinking that way. Um, you know, obviously, like with all people, that causes you to reflect on your heart. You know, what is acceptance? Were we as accepting as we ought to have been? Um, those are, those are challenges that wrestle around in your mind. Uh, I think we all go through it. I mean, I know it's uh, what happened was God, God's hand was in it somehow. I don't understand it. I never will understand it. Um, and uh, I hope to ask Him, uh, God, about it when I'm uh, in heaven with Him. But uh, for now, we have to be uh, uh, wrestle with that. I, and, and I think what more important is to think about going forward, how do we accept uh, what is acceptance and, and working with our family and our grandchildren, how do we accept them uh, in, in unconditionally the way Jesus would accept them and uh, learn and, and move ahead with that. Yeah. I think we've all experienced this at some level, right, where there's a family member or a friend or an acquaintance or whatever that's just kind of difficult. You know, it's hard to love. And, um, uh, you know, and, and for whatever reason, there might have been trauma in their life beforehand um, uh, as, you know, as a child or abuse or neglect. You know, there's all kinds of factors. Or it just could be a medical, you know, situation. Um, and these things can result in mental health issues uh, at some point, and it makes it, it can make it very difficult to, uh, to understand them and to know how to accept and how to move towards them and love. And, and you know, this I see this a lot in, within families, and we also see it a lot within the community. You know, within our cell groups, as we interact with one another, um, you know, we're, we're we're called to a higher calling there as as christians and so i think it's a time that times like this where we really need to go back to those four pillars that we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago I, and i wish i had a slide back up here but really seeking to understand you know and putting ourselves in the shoes of that person to try to better understand why they make the choices they make and what's driving those choices um, and just kind of what's what's going on in that person's head because, um, you know, we have close family members that are addicted and it's so frustrating because you want to say, just stop that, you know, and, and because it's, it's, it's tearing your life down and we can't do that. You just can't respond like that. It's really about um, – trying to seek to understand what that person's going through so that we don't, because if we don't do that, and we try to fix, then what happens is it results and we, we further rupture the relationship, which is already, um, you know, um, teetering to begin with. So, um, and turn towards them, right? Okay. Yeah, I think that with all the personalities, we're gonna have strengths and we're gonna have weaknesses. And I think it's critical to take that in so that we can be that safe haven, whether it's in our homes or in our churches. And because if we don't do that, if we don't accept each other for both, um, I think we end up hiding. You know, we hide in our homes. 
We hide in our churches. We have shame. We don't get to experience the grace that God intends us to experience. And, you know, I think when we think about the experiencing both the good and the bad, if we can think of it in the terms of being a safe haven, we in our homes then be those, we become those families that raise up children that are securely attached. They're secure connectors with God, with other people. There's a confidence. And I think, like I said, if I could do it over and, and reparent my kids, I wish I could. So all you parents out there, just kind of remember, I mean, we, we're called to be that place that's safe because God does that for us. I mean, he thoroughly accepts us for all the good, all the bad, so that when we can give that to our children, we have an opportunity then to send them out into the world safely connected so that they can re represent us well, represent God well. Yeah. So you kind of, what you're describing there is, and I'll come back to the children part, but we have these personality-related character weaknesses, right, mm -hmm. that we, we also deal with. So this is another area where we struggle uh, to accept other people. And um, so these are things like, you know, a person that talks too much or is an exaggerator or somebody doesn't talk enough or trouble expressing feelings because they're being self-protective. Um, and uh, or somebody that just struggles with forgiveness or that's naturally critical. Um, but, um, you know, you're talking about kids, you know, and, and of course this applies to all relationships. But one thing is, is parents with children is we're preparing our kids to go out into the world, you know, and, and uh, to help them to be secure in their identity. It's so important because the world's a rough place these days, especially for younger people. The world says, you know, if you're different than me or, you know, that you're weird or whatever, then I'm going to reject you, you know, even if you get on my nerves. Um, the world says that unless I conform to whatever the cultural norm is, uh, I'm intolerant. And uh, it says, I think the world says that, if, you know, if you, if you don't agree with my worldview, then you're against me and you're even, you know, a hater. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's uh, with all of the, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, but with all of the emphasis on celebrating differences that we see out there, um, it's, it seems like, if your worldview is a Christian worldview, that that's not a difference that necessarily gets celebrated. And it's, it's difficult when we raise our children in that environment to send them out in that, in, in, into that kind of hostility. So, um, so let's talk about biblical acceptance. Yes. So I think this is where we need to be distinctly different from the world. So how do we juxtapose the admonishment and the acceptance? So we talked about the importance of speaking truth and love right. and to our neighbor, to our children. How there's do you do that? She'll accept me. Yeah, there's, yeah. A pur there's a purpose in mind, though, why we speak truth and love, because we're called to look like Jesus, right? So the difference is this. I mean, we want to accept people for who they are, the good and the bad, but we don't accept behavior that is out of God's moral know standards. St yeah, standards and so I think what we're getting today in this culture and oh my gosh you know at my age I just can't believe how strong this is where there's just it's you do you I'll do me and everything's good it's cool as Christians we have to push 
back. We just have to push back, but we have to have that strong sense of accepting people for where they are, but not compromising on God's truth, not compromising on his values, what he says. And like I think I said last time, it is just so important that we know our word. We have to know what God's truth is. And if I, I, don't, I usually have my Bible here, but if, you know, if I really believe that, that his truth brings about safety and, and peace and all good things, I'm not going to be afraid to stand on his truth. Mm-hmm. And so it's being able to accept people for where they're at, you know, and the other, one of the other pillars is just believing people are doing the best that they can with the tools and knowledge and resources that they have today. So it's accepting that, but not being afraid to also speak truth, because if I am just so tolerant of everybody's everything, I don't need a savior. And as Christians, if I really just sit back for a minute and think about that, because we are being we are being pushed to accept everything. We are we are being pushed to accept everything, not to challenge anything, not to speak truth on any matters. But if, as a Christian, I think about this, if I'm so accepting of everybody's sin in my home, in my friendships, in my cell groups, then I don't need a savior. I don't need a savior because I'm good, right? No need for a savior. And why it's so unloving is that if I don't need a savior, then I don't get the mercy, the mercy that we as Christians cannot live without, right? There's nothing more wonderful than to know that I have a God who loves and accepts me. And when I fail, I have mercy. And on top of having mercy, I get peace. I get the peace that we do not get unless we can confess that we have sin. So the difference, the distinct difference that we need to make from the world, it's not just acceptance. It's acceptance without compromise. And it is kind of a delicate balance to do that. Sure. But if we don't, man, how, how uncool, how unloving, how unloving. Let's go to Ephesians. <laughs> you want to oh. read that one? Yeah, I think I got it in my head for a minute. Yeah, let's read Ephesians. Yeah, okay, so here's what the Bible has to say about it. So it says that in Ephesians 4, 14, 15, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Hmm. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That's why we need to speak truth. If we don't... We don't, don't look... Yeah. We don't look different. We don't look different. We don't look like Jesus. So let's talk a little bit. Let's move towards the how now and, um, and, and how we move through and move into, move towards one another in acceptance. One of the keys really is uh, this word forbearance. And forbearance means to have patient self-control or restraint. Um, we can desire acceptance without being afraid to have our character conform uh, to being more like Christ through one another, just as you said. But again, the reason for that is so that we look different from the world. But it's challenging. This is hard to do. Uh, and so Paul helps us and gives us some guidelines in Ephesians. And he says, therefore, 
I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Am I reading the same version? I'm not. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so what's, what's going on um, up to and before this passage is important to know because it, it brings a lot more understanding to this passage. Um, the disciples, the 12 disciples, were sent to spread the gospel uh, to the Jewish nation. Paul, though, the apostle Paul, was appointed to spread the gospel to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. And these two people groups really didn't care for each other at all. There was just a lot of division and strife between these two groups. So, and maybe that sounds familiar for, you know, in today's time. It does. Um, the Jews referred to the Gentiles as heathens. That's what they thought of them. And, uh, you know, these Gentiles, they didn't follow all the Jewish customs and all the Jewish commandments. They just kind of did whatever they wanted to do. And the Greeks, on the other hand, or the, the, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, they kind of thought humility was something that really was meant for slaves. They were, <coughs> excuse me, they were very intellectual, and, um, and so they just, the, the, the idea of humility was very, was very foreign, foreign to them. And what Paul says just before Ephesians 4 is that Jesus took all of this enmity, all of this strife, all of these differences, uh, this hatred for these two people groups, along with the whole Jewish sacrificial system and all the commandments and everything, and he put them to death and he nailed them to the cross. He said, this is all over now. And so therefore, he gives us this passage. So because of this, because of all of these things that God did for us, then here's what I want you uh, to do for each other. And so how do we cultivate this kind of forbearance? Well, he kind of walks us through it, right? So humility. Um, humility is the opposite of pride. So pride drives disunity. Humility uh, promotes unity. Um, it, uh, it means not having to hurt back when we've been hurt. Uh, gentleness means is, it's the opposite of self-assertion. You know, so it means I don't have to drive my agenda. I don't have to be the one in control. I don't have to uh, make everybody go with, you know, with my ideas or agree with my ideas. And then patience. talks about patience. It says, patience never gives up. It endures all the way to the end, um, even in times of adversity. So especially in times of adversity. Otherwise, you know, we, you know, I think we need to understand, change comes slowly. Relational change comes very slowly. Um, and we need to remember that the Holy Spirit convicts. So when we have somebody in our life, a family member, a brother, a sister, a parent, a child, a father, uh, a friend, who is difficult to love or uh, is difficult to be accepting of or has this behavior that makes them so... Um, the one thing that we can always do is we can pray. And I think it takes a lot of pressure off of us to know that. And we've seen that over and over, over, and over in our marriage and with our children. 
we can hammer them over the head with the truth and with biblical principles. I think, and I think we, you know, it, may, might, it might be easy to default to this where, you know, we want to, we want to hit them over the head with law, you know, and God says this is bad, and God says this is, you know, r- and what we, what I've not had enough emphasis on, I think, is is the good. You know, this is God who's, is who God says you are. Um, and so we can pray for these people and allow the Holy Spirit then to convict their hearts, and it works. It works. Um, the re- the if we don't do that, then of course we have distancing, and and, and, and we you know can eventually even um, lose a relationship. And so, if you think about acceptance, you know, against all of the other five principles that we've talked about, um, how do we serve one another without acceptance? And we need to we need to have we need to be able to accept one another to be able to serve one another, really, to, to put their needs uh, above our own. How do we, how do, how do we, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, how do we encourage one another without acceptance? You know, how do we admonish one another without acceptance? You know, that's, that's, the, that's a key one, you know, to be able to accept the person, yet admonish the behavior, right? How do we, how do we forgive? How do we confess? You know, without acceptance, it all these all really blend together and go together. It so does. it does. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what how different our cell groups would look. Let's right. put cell groups out there. Um, if we really took this in, I was you know as you were talking, I was thinking about so many things that I've heard over the years with people. I've had people say they wouldn't get involved in a certain home church because somebody's cell personality. Group. Yeah, what did I say? Home group. church. Yeah. We used to call it home church. Cell group, well, home church at that time. Um, Somebody's personality bothered them so that they weren't willing to come into the our home church. Or they got hurt, hurt, feelings hurt. Yeah, Yeah. they got hurt. Uh, I think we're seeing this even more and more today. You know, where people are resistant to getting into small groups, cell groups, because we're messy. Mm -hmm. You know, and just how I just think we have to emphasize the importance not like we haven't been for the past 15 minutes, but just the importance to really take a moment to think through uh, what am I like when it comes to people, you know, do I accept people? And also, you know, going back to the whole comfort, you know, we talked about how did we experience comfort growing up? How do we experience conflict growing up? How do we experience forgiveness growing up? And just to really consider what was my experience with acceptance growing up? Um, I think if we didn't have that growing up, we might not even know we're not doing that. So just to be, you know, this is our last time here. We've loved it. But just as, you know, we send you guys off, you know, I just encourage everybody just to be considering those things we've talked about. What was my history? You know, there's the nature and there's the nurture. Yeah. So, So when we're practicing all of these principles together, as a community, uh, according to God's plan, then in a sense, what, what, what's happening is we're creating a community where we can not only stand on truth, as you were talking about, but we can also take our masks off, no pun intended. By that, by mask, I mean that facade that we put on so people don't see who we really are. And then 
we can remove those masks then and experience God's unconditional acceptance from one another. That's the goal of Christian community. Because when that happens, when we have an environment like that, that's where healing begins. We all need healing because we live in this broken world. So in that environment, then we can experience healing. We can, we can experience spiritual growth. Uh, we can, uh, we can e- experience uh, community, healthy community with one another. And that makes us look different from the world. John, go ahead. I was just going to say, just, you know, it's that safe haven. If I create a safe haven for my children, we can send them out into this world that's really difficult right now, but they know they can come back in their safety at home. And the same thing with our, with our home churches, cell groups, small groups, whatever. You know, if I am in a cell group that is so safe that my mask is down, that I know that you're going to love me no matter what. Like, you are going to accept me no matter what. You're not going to be afraid to speak truth to me. I'm not going to be afraid to receive it. I can't imagine how different we could look because we would be willing then to go out into the world and to be able to share the gospel because we're going to get beat up there, and I think we're actually going to start getting beat up a lot more. You know, with everything going on, I think there's going to be a lot more persecution coming our way. But if I... If I create this haven, this safe haven in our cell groups, in our homes, it's not going to be quite as intimidating or scary to go out and be willing to preach, you know, or teach the gospel or share the good news or whatever, if I know I can come back to a place of safety. Yeah. And so the goal is to create an environment, to create a community of believers to where people that don't know Jesus look at us and go, wow, there's something different there. I don't know what it is, but there's an energy there. There's a, there's a joy. There's a peace. And I want that. Because the world, the people that don't know Christ, they want that. We all want that. It's a basic human need. But without Christ, we just fill that up with all these other, with activities, with things and money and cars and, you know, all this stuff. But it never satisfies. And so the, that, that, Safety and peace and the joy that if we can cr- successfully practice these principles and create that environment within the Christian community, that's what's attractive to the world. And that's why Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And that's our goal, to be a light, to be a shining light, shining city on a hill. Thank you for allowing us to go through this series with you. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, I just I, I look forward to the day when we can all be back in here together without masks and we can have community here on Sunday mornings. I can't happen soon enough for me. Uh, but, um, you know, hopefully as we go out, uh, go, uh, come away from this, that we can, uh, you know, we all take, a, take some things away to help build a, a stronger community here within the church as well. You pray with us? Father God, we thank you for for your word and what it tells us uh, in terms of um, how you see us, who we are, uh, and how you empower us. And we just thank you for uh, these, that all of these principles that we've walked through over the last seven weeks 
you've showed us how to do every one of them. You've demonstrated. You've 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 given those uh, those principles to uh, towards us, Lord. And just uh, such an uh, amazing gift. And we just thank you that you empower us then to, um, in turn, um, love each other in this way. We just thank you for your incredible sacrifice and just how that that illustrates um, how deeply you love us and how you want to reconcile us and reconcile the world back to you, Lord. And just pray that we can um, learn and understand and internalize um, these principles with one another in a way that um, makes your community here attractive to those that that don't know you and um, that we can grow the kingdom in that way so love you and praise you in jesus name amen